My name is Gerald Lewis, and I'm the executive pastor here. And I was uh, driving in this morning in my car at about 7.30, and Pastor Chris called me. And he says, man, I'm not feeling good. And he said, well, my temperature is about 104. (laughs) And I took one of those tests, and it says it has a thin little line in there. So uh, Elder Sherman was on the phone, and we talked a little bit, and uh, I said, well, you rest. I'll let the Lord lead me, and we'll walk through this this morning. So so pray for him and his family, for safety of health for them and healing. Pray that uh, the um, symptoms he's feeling will not persist too long, and that he'll, uh, he'll heal well. You know, but I do want to let you know this, is that uh, today is no surprise to God, okay? He knew that on this day, January 9, 2020, that I'd be standing here. And he has something that he wants me to say to someone here, or to maybe to everyone here, that you might only receive from me. So I'm going to do my best to be obedient to him and deliver a word. Now... Over the past week, there's been a thought going through my head. So when he asked me, did I have anything in the can? I, I, I had the thought. That's all I really had in the can was the thought. You know, so um, I sat down and allowed the Lord to walk me through. And uh, it brought me to this place. Now also, if you notice, we don't have any uh, videos up because technology is your friend until it isn't. So one of our systems upstairs is not working, so... We don't have any external videos or prompts or sermons, so we're going to ask you to dig into your, your Bibles, either by your phone or paper, to walk through this today. Okay. Yeah, old school, yes. We got it. So let, let's pray here and let, let the Lord, Lord lead us. Dear Father, we are thankful to you for this day. We thank you, Lord, that we were all able to wake up this morning and be alive. We thank you, Lord, that you have called us and we have responded to that call. And as we hear your words, Lord, we ask you, Father, to remove the distractions that get in the way of of helping us to walk a path that you called for us. And Lord, I pray, Father, these words that I speak are from you. Help me, Lord, to understand as I continue to walk through the scriptures, understand you. And I pray, Father, as as the folks that are in this building leave this place, they will leave differently than they came in as a result of what you had to say to them today. I give it to you, and I thank you in the name of your Son. Amen. So the sermon for today is called Believing, Understanding, and Responding. And as I was going through this and put this together this morning, I had to keep reminding myself that that's what I'm trying to do here is believe, understand, and respond. So pray for that works because we trust in many, many things in our lives. And if you think about it very carefully, from the moment you woke up this morning until you got here and sat down in these seats, there are many things that you had to trust in to get here, that you took for granted that would be there. And those things weren't guaranteed to you. You had experience in them, and those experiences is what helped you to trust in them. If you just think about your car, getting into your car and turning that key, and pressing on the gas and pressing on the brake, that action right there should terrify us, really. 
Because you've got a hurling piece of metal going down the road and you're putting your little foot on the brake to slow it down and you're believing and you're understanding that it is going to work for you. Okay? But the God has given us some words here through his book that we should believe and understand and act in. A lot of times we, we hesitate on that. You know, in my younger days, when I was crazier than I am now, I decided I want to jump out of airplanes. And I did that for a little bit, and I put my trust in a piece of cloth that was 35 feet in diameter with 30 strings under it that weighed 31 pounds. And I put my trust that this thing was going to take me out of an airplane and guide me to earth safely without me breaking my legs, my back, or whatever it was. And I did that a few times. This <laughs> was a problem. But here's something that used to happen to me every single time that I would jump. Now, I did sports jumping. I didn't jump from the military. So in sports jumping, you pack your own parachute. So I wake up in the morning, and I get in my car. And from the minute I got up in the morning, I'd have this, this tension inside of me. And I'd drive out to the jump zone and go into the building, get your chute, and I'd wrap my own chute. You inspect all the lines, make sure they're right. You line them up. You fold them a certain way. You get the canvas. You fold it a certain way. You put it in. And all the time, there was this, this, this gnawing at me, right? Then you go into the briefing where they tell you about the, about the airplane you're going to be on. They tell you about the weather, the wind speed, who you should watch, watch the jump master. He's going to tell you when to jump, everything else. And I'd be in there. And I'd, the, now, the closer I got to jumping, the more nervous and the more crazy it was. And I'm thinking to myself, I'm paying to do this. <laughs> and I'd get in that plane. You'd sit there, and the plane would take off. And then it's like, oh, man. You know? And it's even worse when they open the door and you hear the wind coming in. It's like, oh. Then it'd be your turn to get out to the edge of the plane, and something would very interesting would happen. The minute, or the not the minute, the second I would release myself from the confines of the airplane, from the safety of the airplane, the thing that's keeping me in the air, from the minute I would leave that, all that anxiety, fear, and doubt would disappear. And the training I went through would take over, and I would pull that cord, the parachute would open, I'd float down. And you get halfway getting down, you're looking at, around at everybody else that's jumping, and you're all yelling, at, hey, great! And you get down and decide to go another time, and then the fear would come back up again. And I always ask myself, all those years, and even today I ask myself, why is it the moment I released myself from that plane, did, it, did that fear go away? The minute I should be more fearful, I was not. And I want to use it as an example of how we should be with the Lord himself. The times when we should be most fearful... Right? You have to realize, God, God, God has this. It is not in my power. It is not in my will. It's not in my desire even to make it work well. It is all up to God. He's going to use everything I do. And I prayfully, that's what happens here. You know? And as we walk through these stories here, I want you to listen. And I want, but I want you to think about how you respond in, those, in times. Do you believe God? Do you understand what he says, and do you respond? So let me break down two words here, first of all, and that is believing and understanding, okay? What is the meaning of believing? When you believe something, that you accept it as truth. When you understand something, you understand what is being said to you. So just because you understand it doesn't mean that you believe it, okay? I can understand a lot of things. I might not, be, not believe them. And 
you're going to see through these stories people that understood what was being said to them. But man, they're not sure they believed it. And as a result of them not really believing it, they didn't respond well to what was being said or what was being commanded. Does that make sense? So I want to start off with, the, with just something, a verse here from Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 and 6 that you probably know and you can probably repeat. It says this, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will direct your path. Now in my Bible it gives a reference back to 1 Chronicles 28 verse 9 where David is writing a letter to his son Solomon. He says, For you my son Solomon, know the God of your fathers and serve him with a loyal heart and with a willing mind. For the Lord searches all hearts, understands all the intent of the thoughts. If you seek him, he will be found by you. But if you forsake him, he will cast you off forever. So it comes back to that. Not on your own understanding, but there's some action that we have to take. There's something we have to do. We have to have what? A willing mind. Is your mind willing? Is your mind open? Have you ever had a conversation with somebody and as soon as you start to talk, your mind is close to it? And they go the whole way and the whole time they're talking, what are you doing? You're thinking of your rebuttal to what they're saying. Here's why, here's what, and everything else. I'm going to give you a good example of that. I'm going to jump over to Moses and talk about Moses for a little bit. And Moses, when he was in the desert, you know, and he tried to do things his own way in his younger life and it didn't work out. So now he's out there tending sheep. And he's probably, you know what, he's probably content tending sheep. All he's got to do is fight up some wolves and some bears every now and then. But, man, you know what? And then all of a sudden he sees a burning bush. And he goes over. And he talks to this burning bush and God answers him. And God gives him something to do. I want you to go back to Egypt. Because my people out there, I heard them. They're, they're, they're having a hard time. And I've heard their cries and it's time for them to leave. And I want you to be the one to go and lead them back. Now, he's been gone for 40 years, man. You know, and he's got a... Now, here's the thing. Egypt, they have scribes. And they have historians. So his name is not fully erased yet from being a wanted man. <laughs> right? Because he killed an Egyptian. Even though he was Pharaoh's daughter's adopted son, he was still a, a Jew. And he killed an Egyptian. And then, now, they, they, you know, that's not good. Because even in the United States, there are a lot of things that have statutes of limitations, but murder is not one of them. So he's out there thinking to himself, oh, man, I, I really want to do that. Okay? But more importantly, he's, his doubts and his fears come in because he's thinking, there are hundreds of thousands, maybe millions of Jews back there. We've got the Egyptians and Pharaoh. I mean, I, I, I don't want to do this. I don't want to be the one to do this. This is too much for me. So he comes up with four questions, four objections to what God has to say. And I want you to listen to how God answers them. But when we get to the fourth one, there's something more that happens there. So the first one from verse 11 in chapter 3 of Exodus 3, uh, Exodus 3 verse 11, it says, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and what should I bring 
children, uh, sorry, that I should bring the children out of Egypt. God just says, I want to deliver these folks. You to lead them. And that's his first response. Who am I to go? Now, is that a believing statement or is that an objecting statement? Okay. What does God say? I will certainly be with you. This burning bush is a sign unto you. Because if you remember, when he saw the bush burning, it was on fire, I mean, it wasn't being consumed. So he went over that. About that. God is saying to him, you know, listen, you saw the bush. You know, that's a sign to you. It says, also Moses, one day you and your people will worship right here on this mountain. Now that should have been enough. I saw a burning bush. It was being consumed. God's sending me. I'm ready to go. No, that's not that. No. He's an old man, so let's give him a little bit of grace here, okay? Next he says, verse 13. When I come to the children of Israel, what will I say to them when they ask me whose name I come? When they ask me what is his name? He's coming to deliver them out. Are they really going to ask him who's the God is sending? But God says, okay. He says, I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I am the one who made the covenant to Abraham, gave them a land flowing with milk and honey. I am the one who will bring them out of, of slavery and defeat all their enemies. I am the God of the living. Tell them that, Moses. Right? Now, that should be enough, right? No, not enough for Moses. Question number three. But suppose they will not believe me or listen to my voice. Suppose they say the Lord has not appeared to you. Okay, now I need to be a little bit more convincing. What's in your hand? He says, a rod. And he goes through this whole thing, cast the rod down, what it looks like. Then he even says, now put your hand inside your, 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 your clothing. Comes out leprous and put it back in. Comes out clean. Now he goes to all of that to prove it. No, I got this. I am God and I've got this. Not enough. Chapter 4, verse 10. Now he goes to something personal. Oh Lord, I am not eloquent, neither before or since you have spoken to your servant, but I am slow of speech and slow of tongue. Now, he's just cast down a, a rod that turned to a snake, leprosy gone, everything else, burning bush, all this. And now he's saying, well, I, you know, I, I just can't. I, 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 I stumble, I, I stutter. I, I. <laughs> but he said, oh, my Lord, please send by the hand of someone else you may send. Don't send me. Now he's re actually rejecting God. Verse 14, verse 14 starts off with, so the anger of the Lord was kindled against Moses. Three questions, four questions. God was being patient. Now, when you reject God's direction and he has to have an alternate plan for you, there's always consequences for that. Because he gets mad and he says, okay, I'm going to send you. Aaron with you, he's going to do this, right? He sends him a... But what did Aaron do to him? The desert afterwards. Aaron's the one that 
Did I lose this? No, nope, I'm there. Aaron's the one that made the what? And caused a whole bunch of problems for him. Okay? Remember, when you reject God's plan is an alternate one, there are consequences for it. So don't go there. Now, I'm going to take you to another story of believing, understanding. Years later, when God decided it's time to send his son, he sends an angel to talk to Zechariah. Zechariah is a priest in the temple. Right now, how easy is it to become a priest in the temple? You have to grow up. You've got to be learned. You have to be of the right tribe. I mean, you've got to, and I'm sure they have these tests that there are, you know, these mentors. So by the time you get to be a priest, especially one that can cast lots to know if he's going to go into the holies of holies, you can quote every single word in the Septuagint, if I can say that word right, the Septuagint, right? The Old Testament, that's easier. And you know it all, right? Here is Zacharias. His time came, cast lots to go to the Holy of Holies. Man, he's ready. Then he goes in, and the angel of the Lord appears to him. And in Luke 1, verse 11 through 20, the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zacharias, for your prayers, for your prayer is heard. For your prayer is heard. Now think about it. Keep that in mind here. And your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son. You should call his name John. And you will have joy and gladness and many will rejoice at his birth. For he will be great in the sight of the Lord and drink neither wine nor strong drink. He will also be filled with the Holy Spirit even from his mother's womb and he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord, their God. And he will also go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just and to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. What is Zechariah's response? He says, How shall I know this? For I am old, and my wife is well advanced in years. Now, in verse, where is it here? Verse 14, it says, You heard your prayers. So he was praying for this, even in his old age, right? Because that wasn't that, you know, I heard your prayers. And he says, no, 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 I, I can't do it. Now, I think God's response is very interesting here. The angel said to him, I am Gabriel. <laughs> now, even Gabriel gets mad here. I am Gabriel who stands in the presence of God and was sent to speak to you and bring you these tidings. Right? That's an attitude in that response. Right? Man, you're questioning me? But behold, you will be mute and not be able to speak until the day these things take place because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their own time. Now, I used to struggle with this response, and we'll talk about Mary's response in a minute. But here is a trained, learned, old man. How many times has he read through the scriptures on the prophecy, right, of the Lord sending his son to come to earth? Right? He has read right, about Abraham and Sarah in their old age, 
having a child. Right? And here he is saying, I am too old. It ain't going to happen. How can it be? See, So that's understanding. He understood what was being said. But he didn't believe what was being said. And there was a consequence for that because God says, okay, that's it for right now. Because I don't want you going back, right, and discouraging others with your voice. Just be quiet. Go do your stuff. We'll take care of the rest. And I contrast that to Mary. Okay, when the angel came to Mary, it says in um, Mark, um, Mark chapter 1, verse 2, I think, I forgot what chapter it is. Um, it says, now the sixth month angel was sent, to God, was sent by God to a city of Galilee to Nazareth. To a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph, of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And having come into the house, the angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favored one, the Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. I find it interesting, he has to tell Zechariah, don't be afraid, but he tells Mary to rejoice. But when she was troubled at his saying, and considered what matter of greeting this was, and the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you, have been found, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth, and shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and be called the Son of the Highest. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom therefore will be no end. Then Mary says, How can this be since I do not know a man? That question. Is that an understanding question or a believing question? It's an understanding question. Zachariah's question was an unbelief question. This is an understanding question. I hear what you're saying. I, I, does that mean Joseph and I? or what, I do, what does that mean? And the answer is totally different. The Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the greatest high will overshadow you. Therefore also the Holy One who is to be born will be the called the Son of God. What's Mary's response? Then Mary said, Behold, the maidservant of the Lord, let it be according to me let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed. The response was totally different. Okay. You're telling me this, I'm not sure I still understand what you're saying. Right? But let it be. I, I, I'll, I'll take it. Zechariah was saying, no, that's not going to happen. She's saying, not only will it, I think it's going to happen, but I'm going to accept what you're, what you're doing. Yeah. There's a big difference between understanding and believing and how we respond to that. Uh, can I have a tissue, please? Um, thank you. Thanks. Now, I'm going to give you one more and take a look at a different response here. We go back to 2 Kings chapter 5, verse 1 through 27. Talk about a man named Naaman. And Naaman, it says, was a great honorable man in the eyes of his master. Okay? And because by him the Lord had given victory over the Syrians, victory to the Syrians, but he had leprosy. Now, in one of his conquests, he had captured a little girl from Israel and taken her back as a slave and she was serving his wife. Now, a couple of stories here and I don't want to go on a rabbit trail here but I want to think about this for a second. Here is a slave girl who was taken away from her family. Right? Now, working in a foreign land. 
but she still had compassion on who she worked for. Right? In Portugal, it's there's somebody back in my country that can help him. That takes a whole different type of submission, a whole different type of heart to have that. Because most folks, when they get captured as slaves, they, they're, they're going to fight the whole way in what's going on. But she had a whole different heart about her. Okay? But it says that she says, If only my master were with the prophet who is in Syria, Samaria, for he would heal him of his leprosy. Now, as the story goes on, I won't read the, all the texts, it's, it's a little bit long here. But he goes to his boss and asks to go. And his boss writes a letter the king of Syria writes a letter to the king of Israel, right? And the king of Israel reads this letter. He says, who am I that, this, to heal people? Right? He doesn't know what's going on, right? But I, Elisha is there. Elisha says, let him come to me, and he shall know that there was a prophet in Israel. And he gives him instructions. He says, go and wash in the Jordan seven times, and your flesh shall be restored to you, and you shall be clean. Clear instructions, right? Go wash in this seven times, and you're clean. Did he understand it? Right. Did he believe it? Maybe. But his response, what was his response? He was mad. Right? I, 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 now, here's the thing. Anti-Semitism comes to play here. Because the Israelites in that land were not considered clean places. And they were also conquered places. So I'm going to go dip myself in rivers from the place that I conquered. No, 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 this is, this is crazy. I'm not going to do that. So his pride gets in the way. How many times for us does our pride get in the way of doing things God calls us to do? Right? He was, he was you know, no, no, I'm not doing it. But you know what? Around us, sometimes there are people who will give us the right word. And one of his people said to him, says, you know, boss, man, if he'd asked you to do something hard, would you have done it? So just, just go do this. I mean, and he listened. So other, other lessons here, but we'll, we'll stick with this for a second. Okay? So he goes down, and he dips in seven times, and he comes up, and he was restored like he was clean. Now, it took him a while, but he responded. But going back to the point, understanding, believing, responding. Because if he never responded, guess what? He'd be back home again, still being a leper. But he took the time. He had to get over himself to get there. And there are times where we have to get over ourselves. And that's a continual battle, especially for, you know, that's, i got to tell you, for me, it's, it's a battle sometimes. I hear people say things, and I, no, 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 no. Sometimes my wife tells me things, no, 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 I don't want to do that. But, but i got to get over myself sometimes. You know, sometimes I don't, you know, I don't do it right away. I got to go soak for a while. <laughs> I got to think about it. And then here's the thing. I won't even tell her I'm being submissive to it. I'll just go do it. I don't want to get the credit for it. You know, I just want <laughs> why, why do we do that? Why, why do we fight against the things that make sense to us? Yeah. <laughs> This makes sense. You know, so you know, there's a few stories just to illustrate that there are things that God calls us to do. And he tells us how to do it. He tells us what we want to do. And in your lives, does that happen? But there are a couple of things that you have to do beforehand. 
okay? You've got to prepare your heart. If you are a Christian, if you're in this room and you've given your life to the Lord, you've got to prepare your heart continually and consistently so that you can hear the word. You've got to get rid of the sin that's there so you can hear God's word. You've got to spend time in his word so you can hear God's word. And you've got to pray and be in conversation with him so you can be God's word. When you're praying, you have to remember, praying is a two-way conversation. So there has to be time in your prayer time for God to answer you as you're praying. If you say, Lord, Lord, do this for me. Lord, help me with this. And you say, amen, and get up. There might be something he wants you to do. Right? So you've got to wait and listen for him to do that. Now, let me just stop right here and say this. If you are not saved, and I would guarantee that somewhere between the folks in this room and the folks online watching, uh, on, there's someone here that's been listening, that's been going to church, has church family, that you've never made that commitment to the Lord. You've never said, you know what, my life is yours, I'm going to submit to you. And if that's your case, what I said here, is, it's not going to work for you. Because it's going to come from feelings rather than a commitment of God. And so I urge you, it doesn't, and it doesn't take much. You don't have to come down to the altar. You don't have to do anything. You can give your heart to the Lord in a split second. Remember when I told you to jump out of the airplane that split second? In that split second, if you give your heart over to the Lord, he, he's got you. That's all it takes. Now, but if you do do that, let somebody else know and walk with somebody through this. But it doesn't take a lot to do that. It just takes you to say, I'm submitting to you, Lord. You know, it can't be your dad's religion, your mom's religion. You know, even if your dad was a pastor, it doesn't, doesn't make sense. And if you want this to be live, that has to be what you do today to make that live for you. To make this also work so you can understand is, go back to this, do you spend time with God? Do you spend time in his word? Not just reading the Bible. Okay, today I'm going to read this. I got a devotional, uh, Psalms 117. All right, I got that. I'll close it and go on. Well, what, what, what does Psalm 117 mean to you? What is God trying to tell you in Psalm 17? How do you apply it to your life? How do you use Psalm 117 to bless someone else? I've got two verses on the wall in my office, and I use these verses over and over again with folks that I meet with for different reasons because those words just help me so much. And I, just because I'm convicted with those, I can speak those words to other folks in conviction and help them. So what you get is just not for you. Do you guys know why the Dead Sea is the Dead Sea? Because stuff flows in and nothing flows out. Okay? Don't be a dead Christian. What you get, you got to share. You know, it doesn't matter how long you've been a Christian. Okay? Because I, 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 I would say this. If that guy could have gotten down off the cross, he could have witnessed as soon as he got off the cross. So no matter how long you've been, don't think, no, man, I, I, I have not been to a Bible study or anything else. What has God done for you? And share that. That's your testimony. That's your witness. That's what God wants you to use. He's, gonna, he's not going to ask you to use something he doesn't give you. And the last part is, how are you responding to God's word? At home, at work, the way you drive... The way you treat folks in grocery stores. I experienced uh, 
Thursday. Sunday, right? Friday. I went in. I needed a jug of milk. That's all I needed, half a gallon of milk. And the lines were long. And I'm standing there. All I have is a jug of milk. And there's a lady in front of me. And she turns around to make conversation. And we talk. And she looks at me. She goes, you just have a jug of milk. Go in front of me. And I go, no, I'm good. I'm really good. She goes, no, no, go ahead. I said, no, no, I'm good. So she stopped asking. Right? So we're going through the self-checkout line. Right? And I, she goes in front of me to her check out, and she runs through her first item, and she turns around and walks over to me and grabs my bottle of milk, <laughs> runs it through the register, gives it back to me, and says, now nah, you don't have to stand in line. <laughs> what was in her in action, no matter what I did, because I rejected it, Right? And she came back and said, no, no, that's not good, that's good enough. You're going to accept this for <laughs> And it stunned me. I was like, um, do I just leave now? What do I do? Right? But that, but that moment taught me something. That she took action for her conviction. She felt something. Right? And she wasn't going to let me, who was my pride, no, I'm, I'm good, I can wait, no, I'm fine. She wasn't going to let that get in the way. What are you allowing to get in the way of doing God's work, of touching the lives of others, right? Of showing anyway. We've got to work through that. We've got to get rid of that. So I want to close again with the verse I opened up with. Proverbs 3, verse 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord, and it says, with all your heart. I want to break that down. Trusting is, yes, I trust the Lord, but do I trust with all my heart? And lean not on your own understanding. Because if, you know, I, I'm a technocrat. I, I like technology, right? And I know how technology works, and I can... But there are things I don't understand about technology. But I don't let that prevent me from using it, right? I, I want this little... little um, Thermometer gun for the for building, you know. So you just laser. So you point out. I don't know how that thing works, right? But I take it up. I point it at the at the, at the vent. I push the button. It says 88 degrees. I know that there's heat coming in the building, right? Now I could I could have gotten and go. Well, I don't know how this works. I'm not going to use it. And I put it down. That that's not what it's there for. Pull, pull the trigger, man. It works. Verse 6 says, in all your ways, acknowledge him. In all your ways, acknowledge him. It's interesting that, that those words are in between, lean not on your own understanding and what comes next. It's in all your ways. In everything you do, acknowledge God in all you do. Put him first in it. Because if he's first in it, right, it's going to make sense to you. If it makes sense to you, it's easy to believe it. But if you don't put him in it, man, you know, dipping seven times in the, in the river, that doesn't make sense. Let me take it to somebody else, King Nebuchadnezzar, right? Man, this was, he, was a, he was a great king. Here's how I know he was a great king. He was eating grass in the, in the fields for seven years, and they didn't overthrow him as king. Now, you know, you're, that's, that, that's tough. Seven years, this guy's out there eating grass, and they still held his position. 
So you knew he was great, but all that greatness did what? It went to his head. Even after a warning from Daniel, he was like, no, man, I, I'm great. Look at the, look, 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 all the things I've done. Right? But if you look at the, back in Daniel, God used Nebuchadnezzar to write scripture afterwards. He says, now I know who is, who is God. And that submission has to be from all of us. And, we, and I pray I don't have to go out and eat grass to have that submission in my life because there are times when I want to be uh, a little prideful about things. But it's not about me. It's about what? What God can do through me. So how am I responding is important. How are you responding? And put your response into action. There has to be some action behind it. For Naaman, he had to put his foot in the water. And there are many times in the scripture that we see that. We see that when God told, um, um, man, Moses' successor. Can't remember his name. Joshua, thank you. Joshua, when they were trying to cross the river, they had to put their feet in the water before the water stopped. Right? Go put your feet in the water. And then I'm going to take action. Sometimes God's waiting for you to do things. When you go out to your car in the morning and you've got your key, whether or not it's a key or it's a button, and you get in your car, you've got to do what? You've got to push that button. You've got to do something for all the power of that car to come to life. God is saying, i got power here. Moses, get up. Go to, go to Egypt. Because I'm going to do things through you that are going to blow people's mind. You know? There's going to be blood in the water. There's going to be fraud. All this is going to happen. But you need to get up and move, shuffle your feet. As my old pastors say, you need to agitate some gravel and get there and do it. So my question to you today is, how are you agitating gravel? What are you doing for the Lord that makes a difference that also is an example of you trusting in him and that you're responding well? Make sense? Thank you so much. Have a great day.